This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. say pretty bad because that wasn't that bad i mean the raptors they could have done some things to uh perform better in this game there's a little bit of effort stuff on the glass early on but also man they just got absolutely crushed on shot variance and in doing so i uh, lost 135 to 130 to the sacramento kings honestly there's a lot of good stuff in this game there's also a lot of bad stuff to be quite honest with you like process stuff emmanuel quickly made a couple plays late like there was the drive to the dump off there's the drive all the way to get up to the rim. There's the Scotty post-up skip pass to the above the break where he can that triple. But then, like, you look at the shots he took late in the game. You're like, Manuel, what the hell are you doing, man? This is crazy. And so it's not always going to be perfect. This is a team that they were 14 and 20 coming into this, right? And they're not all the sudden world beaters. They're not all the sudden, like, the best team in the world. But they have a chance at being an okay team this year from this trade on and whatever happens with pascal and i think they got a lot of really intriguing performances like rj he didn't play much in the second half and i think that made sense because and especially in the fourth quarter because his defense was really not at a a good enough level but as far as offensive process i loved what rj did in this game so that's a big win because i think that rj can compete in a high level defense so that will get there I think Pascal, outside of the offensive foul on Fox late, and the fact that uh, he didn't see much of the ball late, I get it. Um, I think he really found his way in this game as the game kind of went on. The nine assists, I think, are pretty relevant to that. Uh, He could have had 10 or 11, maybe even more. And there was one in particular where he passed it quickly, quickly jabbed, and he hit a triple, and they didn't even give him the assist. Uh, I think his floor game overall was pretty good. His defense really came on in the second half maybe highlighted by the the block on uh, Malik Monk in transition, but also some of his rotational stuff. He was giving a lot more of himself at the rim. The play where Fox got blocked, you know, they they wanted to switch Fox off of Siakam. Siakam switches off. Boucher is on him. They play a switch to blitz coverage. They force Fox downhill. They converge. He gets blocked. Like, there's good defensive stuff happening there. Jakob, I think, gave them good minutes. Scotty got kind of swallowed up by a really bad lineup and that's tough he still comes away with 28 and 5 um it wasn't his best game i thought in a game like this they could have used a little bit more of his downhill rim pressure they could have used a little bit more creation off the dribble a lot of his stuff came from above the break triples but he hit four of them in a game where the raptors needed to score if they weren't going to do it defensively and they certainly weren't allowing 135 you do need to hit threes to keep up with the kings and their pace was nuts man like it was it was really crazy um emmanuel quickly i think 20 and 8 some good stuff 
some bad stuff. I think there was a lot of lackadaisical stuff defensively. I talked to, I did a podcast with Sam Vecini today where I said, watch out for, you know, quickly today playing some off ball defense because the Raptors are going to give some unique coverages at the guard position. And as far as quickly, like he didn't start the game on Fox. And on top of that, he was guarding guys. He got back cut a few times. He was part of the the rebounding woes early on, I found. And so it wasn't his best game. That does That is not a comment on quickly into the future, the potential of being a star player, being a guy who fits tremendously on this team. There's a fuzz on the microphone. But it's just that this wasn't necessarily his game. Ali Dez says quickly was a beast offensively. He was okay. I didn't think he was a beast offensively. But he did some things really well, and I appreciated that. I thought Jonte Porter, outside of kind of getting punked by Demonis Sabonis early on in the game, had a really strong game. Two can triples from the center position is a huge, huge thing. Uh, and also, I think that like his coverage on defense was impressive. He moves his feet. He makes a lot of the right reads. And I, I think you got really great Jonte Porter minutes. Yeah, he got like Sabonis came into this game, was bossing the paint. It is what it is. He He's a big guy. He's one of the best big men in the league. He wanted it bad. He was doing like a whole bunch of stuff in the paint. He scored nine points the last time he faced the Raptors, largely because of, you know, the OG Ananobi carrying a lot of the weight, Scotty Barnes carrying a lot of the weight too. They were switching a lot of those actions, nullifying a lot of what the Kings survive on, their DHO actions. If you can just comfortably switch all that stuff, no advantage is being created. And so I think that's what the Raptors were missing mostly in this game is that a lot of guys who have played the Kings before are playing different coverages against the Kings and they're in rotation a lot more than they're used to being against the Kings in the first half. They get blown up, man. Uh, the Kings, they made 14 threes in the first half. The Raptors, they struggled initially to stop the dribble penetration they struggled coming around and playing lock and trail on a lot of the dribble handoff stuff. And also on top of that, in coverage across the court, like later later on in the game, I thought that the X-outs were really crisp. I thought that guys were picking up rotations, communicating them well. The court coverage was really, really important. It was really impressive. And they managed to do all that kind of stuff. And I was impressed, but that wasn't the case early on in the game. That was uh, a little bit disappointing, I think. And the Kings... They're not going to shoot this well every game. They are a very good team. You know, the the Raptors, they lost to a good team who had a really good game. It It is what it is. Does it suck that there's no pizza anymore? Hell yeah, man. Everybody wanted that pizza. I wasn't going to order any. I know a lot of people had, uh, had plans to order pizza. I know Nora, she had a tweet talking about like, oh yeah, the, the pizza places in Toronto are watching this game kind of with, with bated breath. And, uh, you know, it took a hell of a shooting night. Like, they had 21 threes, 55% to beat these Raptors. The Raptors definitely could have done a few more things to help themselves over the full course of the game. You know, they allow 11 offensive rebounds, but a lot of those came early on. And the Raptors, I thought their defensive compete level, as the game wore on, the they were playing five guys on a string. And they managed to play really impressive defense with Pirtle on the court. And they also managed to play really impressive defense when he was off the court. Did it help that Sabonis also was able to, you know, 
or that's a Sabonis fouled out as well. A little bit. I think Chris Boucher, despite a really great charge that he drew, may have struggled if it had to be instead of for like a minute 40 stretch. It was like three and a half, four minutes or something like that. But yeah, um, I talked about Jonte Porter. Next up on the list, Dennis Schroeder. I thought Schroeder was dynamite, man. Schroeder has been, even he goes 0 for 4 from 3. I get it. But he's 7-11 overall. He had many key drives to the rim. He, I didn't think that he was like overhauling the offense, taking anything over. He played within the flow. He made good reads as a playmaker. He helped everything when he was there. They're playing some of those more two-guard, three-guard lineups. The stuff is, you know, it's working. The Raptors, like, they have a point guard in quickly who, even not on his best night, 35% from the field, can get 20 and 8. There's some decision-making gaffes, sure, but that's a positive. Dennis Schroeder comes off the bench, gives you 18 and 3 on 63, 64% from the field. That helps change their guard rotation from being what I thought was the worst in the league prior to the trade. Certainly, they're not the worst anymore. Um and I like Jonte Porter being able to like just kind of step in and give you center minutes and run a pick and pop with Pascal Siakam and like bang a triple is a big deal. Jalen McDaniels had a nice back cut, but otherwise I didn't, I wasn't too uh, enraptured with uh, Jalen's play. I, I haven't been that big on like Jalen has had one game this season, which is not a lot, you know, over a third into the season. And I don't get the fascination. I was happy that after his first run, the, uh, you know, the Darko kind of amended that. We start going to Chris Boucher a lot more. Chris Boucher is absolutely, despite not having the best start to the game, I think he was pivotal to what the Raptors were doing late. That much is evident. Some of it is because he's drawing fouls that sometimes, you know, sometimes they're not. The refs are getting baited a little bit. Some of them he is drawing. And he's putting that that pressure on the offensive glass like few players that come off the bench, bigs can do. You know, a lot of the guys who come off the bench that have pressed the offensive glass over the past like decade of basketball, a lot of those guys aged out. A lot of those guys couldn't play more, you know, heavy coverage schemes and all that kind of stuff. And as much as Chris Boucher can at times make have decision making mistakes or anything like that, he hustles like hell. He has a lot of length to throw out there. And when everybody is moving in unison, he can certainly match that. And he can pressure the offensive glass. He had three offensive rebounds, nine overall. He got fouled pursuing a bunch of them. Those are possessions the same way if he had gone up and grabbed it would be. He, even when quickly was trying to foul bait on that, not the last shot, but the shot before it, he got the offensive rebound that gave them that second possession to try it again. Quickly, obviously, pulled from like... <laughs> I don't know, 27 feet, airballed, not great. But I thought that Chris Boucher was awesome. I thought he deserved all 27, 27 and a half of his minutes. You got a lot of really great performances tonight. And the biggest problem, obviously, is that the Kings are a team that can beat you when you play well. It, it is what it is. Like the Raptors, they made, they made schematic changes to get back into this. They played harder to get back into this. Their compete level was significantly better to get back into this game. You wish that obviously that's not, um, you wish obviously that this isn't how the game ends up. You wish that you don't end up going down by 23. But this is a game that at the end of it, you feel all right with. Almighty Finesse says, what's good? Let's go next. 3-0 with OG. Fun OG stat. 
OG Ananobi is plus 74 in his first three games with the Knicks, which is the highest plus minus of any player joining a team after three games. Um, so hell yeah, OG. Hell yeah, Knicks. Like playing great basketball. It's a really good fit. But so like RJ and Quickly have been, I think, awesome for the Raptors. Um, I like walking away from trades saying win-win. And even though the Raptors lost tonight, I still feel very confident about the Raptors having going forward with quickly and Barrett in the fold and also feel very confident for the Knicks going forward with OG in the fold over there. Good things can happen for more than one person at a time, you know? Not always conflict, not always zero sum. Ugh. But I tell you this much. RJ and quickly, they allow the Raptors to play a different type of basketball. Not everything was maximized in this game. Not everything was exactly as it needed to be. But the identity is there. The counters offensively are there. And even when everything doesn't necessarily break right, the Raptors are in games. I think that this game, I don't know exactly one-to-one -one because if OG's in this game, he does really like throw a wrench into everything that... <laughs> throws a wrench into everything that the Kings tried to do from a dribble handoff high post hub point of view. But I think that this is a game where the Raptors prior to this trade, they might have um they might have they might have just gotten like blown out in this game. The compete level to get right back into this thing, to get it within two, I was really impressed. The process late game offensively, we've seen it now a couple times in a row. It's not necessarily, I don't know, perfect. Well, actually it's definitely not perfect. There's a lot of Emmanuel quickly dribbling, like a lot, a lot. There's a lot of Emmanuel freestyling. I hope that there's more structure to it going forward. And it's early. So obviously, Darko is a guy who he enjoys the point guards on his team. That's a big, big thing for him. His offenses are obviously, you know, you circumnavigate around everything else using the point guard to help guide you through it. And, you know... He, he, he made a few really positive plays at the end, but the Raptors need more structure and they, they need to be able to get to more dependable advantages early in clock. And I don't think they're necessarily able to do that late in games, which is why, you know, they're like competing on broken plays and stuff and they're doing it with their defense late in this one. And then if Fox scores a bucket, they're just, it's, it's too far gone. They're not able to do it. Over the course of the game, the offense was good. They're playing in flow. The skill sets make a ton of sense. They're able to get RJ in motion as an attacker, like RJ coming away with 14 points on eight shots. This is a big deal for him, like huge. He's been mostly efficient because he's choosing his spots much better. Manuel quickly is operating with more room in this offense. He's getting more screen help, and he's also playing off of guys who make passes a little bit more often than Brunson and Randall do. And he's playing alongside them so that he's given advantage more like more often. And even though it's six of 17 in this game, four of 12 from three, you can see how this could have gone better. And then on top of that, I think like Pascal started out two for seven, finishes six for 11, you know, fit goes four or five down the stretch. He has nine assists. He bent the Kings defense in a lot of ways. He was like really, really impressive down the stretch. Bad first half. And a credit, I think, definitely to Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray, he canned like four triples in the first half. He was also like the primary check for, I think, four 
with Pascal's possessions. Not everyone ended up in a shot, but he's providing a lot of pressure to Siakam's dribble. He's trying to push him up the court. He's trying to, like, if he's going middle, he's going middle with help. If he's going baseline, he's pushing him to the baseline. It's like he's playing to the matchup. He's playing him where he thinks it's safe to keep him. And, like, Pascal hit some tough shots against him in the second half, but Keegan Murray, Kings fans, you got to... I've heard a lot. I've seen, like, four Kings games this year. Um, I've heard a lot about Keegan Murray's defense becoming, like, more, way more impressive, especially, like, his man-on-man stuff this season. It looks like it. I know, like, physicality-wise and, like, matchup-wise, Pascal seems to be, like, an ideal matchup for him to succeed defensively. Keegan also didn't have an easy time with Pascal guarding him on the other side. And neither did, like, Fox or Monk, which was impressive. Pascal had a whale of a game as far as, like, perimeter defense without screening. Like, when Pascal was on the perimeter and they're running screens, he got hung on a couple. Um, When they started the switching scheme, I think that he really, really had a strong finish defensively. And then, obviously, the big block in transition. Some schematic stuff where he's playing in court coverage that was good, like, has a couple steals in this game. But, yeah, Keegan Murray and Pascal, I think, was, like, Really, really fun matchup. They both finished with 18. They both finished 6 of 11 from the field. Um, Keegan gets 12 rebounds more than Pascal. Pascal, obviously, a huge hub for the Raptors. Uh, nine assists to Keegan's one. But Keegan is, that's a young guy, man. DJ Degree asks that last play with quickly taking that three sucked. What happened? I'm going to have to get a second look at it. Um, I'm, I don't know if I'm writing about this game or anything. I haven't watched that play back yet. I don't know what the Raptors were developing, but I mean, I, like, I don't know what the Raptors were trying to make happen, but I'll tell you what happened. Quickly just pulled that thing, man. I don't know if he was trying for the second play in a row to like get somebody's hand caught in the cookie jar because he did on the first play and they didn't call a foul. I still think it was an ill-advised shot for him to take, even though if, you know, by the letter of the law, the, you know, the Kings would have fouled him or whatever. I still think like maybe you're forcing it a little bit. And the second time around, he forced it crazy, and he airballed. I have been watching all of Emmanuel Quickly's pull-up triples over, you know, his career. I'm watching all of them currently for a piece. And that one, he's a very talented shooter. That shot still doesn't make sense. Uh, Trace124 says, I like his confidence. I love confidence. Uh, that one, I think goes beyond confidence. Like there's confidence and confidence is like late game. The ball's in your hand. You're somewhere you've been before and you know, you can make a shot. I think the shot he took is one where if that goes in, you're like, wow, I can't believe that went in. That's more of like a heave, right? Whereas you should have probed a little bit more, used your dribble a little bit more, or honestly, like, I mean, (laughs) Run an action. It doesn't have to be you necessarily, but you can, no matter what happens on that play, no matter what the actual play drawn up was, uh, you can get a better look than that. You can get that look with two seconds left if you need it, I guess, but uh, you can get a better look than that, like almost assuredly. And maybe for one of the, you know, maybe for Pascal, maybe for Scotty. You know, a lot of fans would want Scotty. Some fans would want Pascal. I don't know what the coaching staff would want. We might never know because quickly did not allow for that possibility because he didn't run whatever play, whatever play they were running. He says, I think everyone cleared out and there wasn't enough time to actually do anything. I don't 
think that was the case. I will have to watch it again, but I doubt it. I doubt it very much because uh, I just, you would see a ghost screen. You would see a slipped screen. You would see a screening action of some kind. I'm almost sure. You can't just flatten out and say like, it's, you know, that's what it's going to be. Uh, that's tough. I'm not so sure about that. Um, but I didn't, sometimes you ask guys to make shots. If that was actually what Darko was expecting out of that play, I don't know. C4C says IQ was heating up and Sack read the play correctly. I don't think he was heating up, man. He was maybe like one for four down the stretch. I Like, maybe. He hit the catch and shoot three from Scotty cross court. He missed the three he took before that. I think he missed the three he took before that. He did make the layup. Um, he missed the three prior, and he missed the final three. Um, Nanya asks, talk about how Siakam can't get a touch down the stretch of games. Yeah, uh, Siakam, I think the Raptors got caught up a little bit in trying to make threes because that was the main way that uh, the Kings were scoring the basketball. Um, Mel says Siakam is no longer the focus. Uh, you Is quickly the focus more than Barnes? Probably not, but quickly had more of the ball in this game, right? When we watched them against the Grizzlies, Barnes had more of the ball than quickly. Um, just because someone takes more shots doesn't mean the team has now shifted focus. The team... You'll see games with Pascal on the Raptors that he will be featured more down the stretch. But I don't think like you consolidate one game and say like, this guy's the guy, this guy's the guy, this guy's the guy. A lot of teams succeed with a myriad of players down the stretch. Um, you have to be able to create advantages all over the floor so teams can't load up. Pascal has a game winner this very year because they ran a ghost screen with Dennis that Pascal took the switch, hit a game winner against the Wizards, right? So... The Raptors will look in other games for Siakam. In this game, I think they're looking for triples. Uh, and Pascal kind of got phased out as far as that goes. There are games, if it was closer, I think Pascal would have had more attempts to go to, you know, a little bit of mismatch hunting. But also, you know, Pascal, they gave him the mismatch hunt look and he got the offensive foul on Fox. Uh, Fox, obviously, he put a little bit of embellishment into it, but Fox also beat him to the spot took it on the chest, and he went down hard. And they called that on the other end from Sabonis against Boucher. So they're going to call it there. Pascal, you have to be a little bit smarter about that. I think that was a mistake on Pascal's end. And the Raptors, new guys in the fold. They're trying to work to get their own advantages. They do want to work through quickly and Scotty. Maybe they perceived that it was easier to attack through quickly against the guards than it would be Pascal to attack against the guards because, you know, it it is what it is. Um, I think Pascal's usage in fourth quarters has been lower than it should be overall. I think he's fourth on the team. It, it might even be fifth now since quickly has had a lot of usage in fourth quarters and in clutch time, but Pascal probably should be getting the ball a little bit more, but also there was also a play too, right? Like where he Pascal gets it, gets doubled in clutch time, gets doubled, passes out to quickly who is open for a time. Because Pascal got doubled. The advantage on the play has been created. Pascal drew two guys. That's that's good in the NBA. You draw two guys, that's a really good thing. We watched the Raptors give up 21 threes because 
the Kings kept drawing rotations to the ball and they made shots, right? So Pascal draws a double. Good job. You're a good NBA player. You created the advantage. And then what happens is quickly holds onto the ball. They stunt at him and then it becomes a rotation. He hasn't taken the advantage that was given to him, moved the ball on. He puts the ball down and dribbles back out. The defense gets to rest and they get to set up all their matchups. That's not good. That's bad process. Like that's really bad process. Maybe quickly thought like I can start from scratch and I can put the ball on the floor and just create an advantage again. That wasn't the case. That's kind of like um, James Harden does that a lot. Like when somebody like when Joel Embiid would get doubled in Philadelphia and he'd make that play, Harden would get the ball and he'll catch and hold because Harden can create anything from a standstill, but you still shouldn't be catching and holding, right? Um, You should be playing with pace and you should allow the advantage to carry and IQ just didn't make the right play. So you get two attempts at working through Siakam. One, the mistake is on, uh, on quickly, I think, for the catch and hold. And I also think Pascal, he, he got baited into an offensive foul. I think he probably should have been a little bit more aggressive trying to work off of Fox's shoulder going downhill, even though there's a couple guys in the um a couple guys in the paint. But I think he should have been a little bit more active going downhill instead of trying to get that big bump fade. So there's faults everywhere for every game. Sometimes it's got a little bit more for some guys. Some guys it's a little bit more for others. I wish Pascal maybe would have got one more possession, another look, and maybe a little bit more creative to get him the ball in motion instead of just going to those same. Like early on in the game, when he he starts out two for two from the field, the one time they get him on a gut DHO, he gets downhill, he gets all the way to the rim. You can be a little bit more creative than just mismatch hunting if you want to try and get somebody like Pascal the ball in motion. They weren't late in game. I would... Uh, I would like to see that a little bit. Um, yeah, but it, it didn't happen. Uh, Aubrey Los Ojos says, I bet against the Raps. I needed this loss, to be honest. Well, I hope you spend your one money on pizza when they eventually win three in a row uh, for the pizza party stuff. Uh, to focus on the Jonte Porter, Dennis Schroeder stuff and Chris Boucher stuff, I think it's cool, very cool, actually, that the Raptors have a bench where they're able to actually like win minutes and Jonte Porter. I don't know if this holds, but like 10 points and three boards in 13 minutes. I'll tip the beanie to that, man. I thought he played awesome. Um, like I talked about at the start, you get punked by Sabonis. It is what it is, but the core coverage stuff was pretty on point from the big man position. Um, compete level has been on point for all of the minutes that he's played as a Raptor so far. And, and I know like for anybody who wants a really good piece on Jonte, Go to sportsnet.ca, read Blake Murphy's piece on him that came out today. He almost quit basketball, man. And now he's here, you know, reaching double digits with the Raptors. That's pretty good. And he's also banging triples, man. I like it. That's great. That's super fun. Chris Boucher bring like a, just a heaps of hustle. And uh, Schroeder has just been sublime, I think, from the guard position. Since they moved him from the starting lineup, I think that he's had more like it's easier to attack a bench big on a switch than it is a starting big. It's easier to attack a bench guard, you know, in pick and roll coverage than it is a starting guard. Typically some guys coming off the bench are better defenders than the starters. But I think the combination leaves a lot more room for shooter to kind of follow some of his more aggressive instincts 
And like in a game like this, where he gives you 18 points on 11 shots and has been scoring the ball efficiently, has like played decent defense. Now you, you allow 135. Maybe it's not happening that often. But you do a bunch of things well, and Shooter has been, you're going to end up even coming off the bench playing 31 minutes. Quickly played 37. I think in two out of the three games since Quickly arrived, he's played more minutes than Shooter. Shooter's played more minutes than one, but they've been comparable. This is the biggest gap so far. This is starting to normalize probably, but it's nice to see that not only can they survive and thrive away from each other, but they can also play minutes together. The backcourt situation, I think, is like really impressive. Darko Stan brings up a really fun play. The Scotty block on Sabonis late was insane. Yeah, Scotty was hunting that down, matched the steps, pinned it off the glass. Really great. And this wasn't Scotty's best game by a long shot. Um, like five turnovers to six assists. I think that he was passive with a live dribble. And I think that he didn't press a lot of the stunts that he maybe could have in this game. He definitely could have been more aggressive. I get it like Sabonis is big. Sure. I get that the the Kings have some big guys. Like, But I think we've seen Scotty in the past take bigger, more physical front courts to task than the combination of like Javal McGee, Trey Lyles, Damana Sabonis, and whoever of Keegan Murray and Harrison Barnes is kind of playing up. I think he left some meat on the bone there and was passive overall. Would have liked to see more aggressiveness from him in this game. This wasn't his best game for sure, but he still, he makes those big plays late. He he had a long sit, obviously. I think he came back into the fourth quarter after Pirtle fouled out. He comes in. They're still playing like a switch-heavy scheme. They're, if they get a bad switch, they're scramming guys out. And like they played well down the stretch. Scotty was a big part of that defensively. I thought he opened up the game defensively on Fox decently well. It was after that first stretch that things went kind of to the wayside. And, you know, Scotty, but initially, Scotty is playing Fox with the coverage he understands behind him. He knows where he's supposed to funnel. He's using his length as a buffer. He's like, Fox, I know you've been having a hell of a year shooting, but we're still going to make you do that. Fox is still getting downhill a little bit, but it's controlled. Scotty is still in front of them, there to contest. Like, there's good things happening there. Um, it didn't maintain over the whole game, but it's like, that's a good thing. And let me plug my phone in. It's about to die. Sorry. Had to put the, the mic down. But I think Scotty had a couple nice stretches defensively and then made a couple not so good stretches, like a lot of the players on the team. And yeah, he left meat on the table, meat on the bone as far as like offensive process. Um, Phoenix Plays E says, I think the thing that will hurt this team is they don't have a training camp together to nail down their peel switching stuff to cover up the lack of OG. Yeah, I didn't like there wasn't much peel switching in this game. There's I know that RJ and Emmanuel um, executed like two of them last game. There's been some stuff, but as far as like the European style uh, rotations, the Raptors are mostly just like Xing out and nexting. Um, core coverage might be a problem for them in this game or sorry, over the course of the rest of the season. And I think training camp is obviously super important, but, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's tough. The Raptors don't have the same level of defensive personnel to compete. In this game, it really shows it relative to, like, what we've seen from OG being thrown at the Kings before. OG can really shake up the hierarchy of how the Kings want to accomplish things. He can do that against a number of teams. But OG wasn't competing very hard on defense towards the end of, you know, 
his tenure as a Raptor. And, uh, you know, that's the way it is. Abreu Los Ojos says Marcus and Lowry were really lineup cheat codes. Boy, were they ever. I think that team, that championship team, so underrated. Um, Phoenix Plays E says, Samson, are you a fan of extending defensive three in the key to maybe five seconds to give the defense more of an advantage clogging the lane? I think it's basically five seconds now anyway. You know, like I know Chris Boucher got called on one in this game. It was kind of his in- introduction to the game, which wasn't that good. But uh, it's like basically five. And so do you mean like it's five now, so it's actually seven instead of like it's three, so it's actually five? I'm not sure. but. Uh, I don't know what rule change should happen for the league to kind of curtail scoring. I'm not sure. And I don't even know if the league wants to curtail scoring. I think they like uh, high scoring. So who knows? But uh, like you could. Fine. (laughs) It's fine. Yeah, I guess. I'm not sure. C4C asks, weird Q, but how do you feel Nurse would do with this current roster? Uh, I think Nurse probably would have coached the Raptors to more wins at this point in the season than Darko would have. Uh, but that I like. There's a couple things here with Nurse, right? I said it. I like. I figured. I thought from what I'd heard that Nurse was getting fired. I you can go watch the last. Like I was on Blake Murphy's couch. We watched the playing game together. And we did the podcast after, and I was like, hey. And he was like, do you think uh, he's getting fired? And I was like, yeah. Because it wasn't necessarily the performance alone, but it was the fact that Nurse had really big interpersonal problems within the players and the coaching staff. It was just like completely untenable from a like, personality and relationship point of view for them to continue that nurse is a like a really great coach what he what they tried to accomplish with the raptors given the funky funky roster construction i think that the raptors won a lot of games given their like super clear limitations and the limitations that Masai and bobby delivered to that team via who they signed what skill sets were there what they were asking guys to do And Nurse's job as the coach was to try and win a bunch of games. He's a really smart coach. He's like, he's very good at his job from that point of view. Even like you look at his like ATOs and like out of bounds stuff. It's been top of the line for years. He's always been able to coach to some of the cutting edge stuff. However, if the players are like not a fan And the other coaches, you have beef, and there's like this muck, this cultural muck setting in. You can't, you just can't have that. And Darko, I think, from what I know, from what you hear from players, and what's like public, I think has been um, really good from a personality and interpersonal point of view. I know it's a bit of a meme that like he just tells everyone like, be happy, you know, it's great. But that helps. And also, I think uh, it's uh, it's just like Darko is taking time to instill a culture. He's taking time to instill what he wants to practice as a coach. He's taking time to instill a lot of his sets, a lot of his schemes, and coaching to those things, and also doing it with one roster for 30 games, one roster for three. It's, you know, them's the breaks, man. 
Uh, Darko Stan says Darko has actually done a really good job of improving the half-court offense. So prior to this game, I don't know what it will be afterwards. I can look up what the half-court offense performance was in this game specifically. But prior to this game, the Raptors' half-court offense was, at least through this part of the season, the highest points per possession it had been since Lowry was a Raptor and the highest ranking since Lowry was a Raptor. Now, it was that marginally. Marginally. But it has been trending up for some time. And I think, well, a lot of that is the fact that Pascal Siakam refuses to shoot less than like 55% in a game recently. He just won't. He'll score 30 points a game in a lot of games and he'll do it on like 60% from the field. Um, that Like that's kind of how it shakes out. Um, the Raptors half-court offense in this game, 110, 82nd percentile performance. So I, it's going up in this game. Like they had a really strong half-court performance in this game. That makes sense. They lost this game because of the possession battle a little bit and because of three-pointers. But I think that uh, the Raptors and Darko has found a really good way to utilize Pascal. Now, I thought the way he was using him, I wrote as much, you know, in the start of the season. I said, they're not letting Pascal post up at all. They're asking him to just be like an off-ball screener. They're using him constantly for burn cuts, and they're asking him to be an above-the-break three-point shooter. They're moving him away from all the things that he succeeds at. From the eighth game till now, there's been a concerted effort to include Pascal in the offense in ways that benefits him. And also, obviously, because he is the Raptors' best offensive player, benefits the Raptors' offense as a whole. Now, the Raptors have been losing a lot of games, but they've been losing games defensively. Their offense has been slowly rising and getting better and better. Part of that is including Siakam in more of these actions because he's still the best at creating an advantage, helping out other players, and just going out and getting buckets himself. And part of that is like, now there's a, there's new players who can help, you know, really play out some of the stuff that he wants to see embodied in offense, embodied in how they want to approach it. So they have an opportunity, I think, with this roster to play out the season and end up like in the top half. They're in, they're in the top third right now. They could get into the top half. I think they were 12th last year. <laughs> they were 12th last year in offense, which is crazy. Um, I, but you know, Fred Van Vliet and the Jakob pick and roll really was important for them down the stretch of last season. And the transition stuff has been kind of a hack for the Raptors. You play a lot of transition basketball, your offensive rating is going to shoot up. What that doesn't guarantee, though, is that your half-court rating will shoot up. The Raptors' half-court rating and offensive rating have both been going up. So, good stuff. Um, Darko Stan says, how much do you think the start of the season stuff was just because the FO told him Pascal wouldn't be on the team? Yeah, the Raptors were trying to trade Pascal in the summer. The Raptors were trying to trade Pascal in the early season. And bah, he just wasn't a big part of the offense. And I don't know, man, the, the Pascal stuff has been super murky. It's been, there's a lot of mixed messaging coming from the organization, from outside the organization, all that kind of stuff. It's been murky because you'll get stuff like Masai in a press conference, like these, this impassioned plea about Pascal Siakam as a person saying like, that's the guy you build around. That's the guy you go to war with, but he's been in trade talks for like four years, you know, like. He, 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 there's been a lot of things said about like a lot of players. The messaging from the Raptors organization as a whole has been incredibly mixed. And like when, when I asked Masai a question at last year's like year end uh, press conference, he talked about, cause I was talking about like 
you guys haven't been hitting on as many like draft picks. You guys haven't been hitting on as many like G League guys. Like, what about this kind of stuff? And he mentions like playtime for Delano Banton and Jeff Delton and is like, these guys are a part of the future. And then neither of those guys are on the team. You know, like you, you could say like he's just being loose and talking at a press conference, but then you have to admit like maybe the, what these guys are saying at press conferences just don't mean that much. Like they're perfectly fine saying something they're not. Um, they're uh, we're perfectly fine saying like saying that what they say is not that big. P says, "Are we really reminiscing on an FEV Pirtle pick and roll?" It was one sentence. One sentence. Uh, there's like what forty minutes of talk. One sentence. It's your hangup. I like this stuff is so crazy to me, man. Like you say Fred's name and people get upset. One sentence, my guy. Oh, people, you're just looking for it. So angry about this stuff. Unbelievable. Back to this game. Or actually, there was a there's a a comment from OG3 that said Darko can get more coaching experience. Nurse can't really renew his relationships with the franchise. That is, I think, a really good encapsulation of the coaching situation. Darko, uh, some of the rotations I disagree with, but also he's a coach. He knows what he's trying to accomplish with some of these rotations. He knows what he's trying to do with some of these rotations. He can be more forward thinking because he knows what he's trying to you know, accomplish, all that kind of stuff. I don't know any of that. Um, and you know, you can ask him and that kind of stuff has been, uh, interesting. Okay. E is asking me, he says S watched or play tweeted out the last play. Okay. This is not great audio, uh, performance from myself as far as like the podcast listener. So, uh, podcast listeners on the apps, my apologies, but, uh, here we go. I'll watch the last play and I'll describe what's happening. Okay. So. I'm sorry I can't show it on screen. I don't know how to um, share the screen live. And I also don't know about the copyright situation. Okay. Scotty sets a screen for quickly to come up the floor. Pascal inbounds to him. Dennis runs up and ghosts it. Pascal goes to the corner. Chris Boucher lifts. Quickly just pulls immediately with six seconds left. Is there no additional play here? I guess nobody was in motion for it. But also quickly with six seconds pulled it. I don't know, man. It look so it looks to me like the main action of this play. Like I I didn't remember very well. I said earlier in the podcast that uh, I thought the Raptors would at least attempt to run like a ghost screen or something. They did, um, but yeah, very clearly quickly is the the option on the last play. They thought maybe they could get a switch from him onto Keegan Murray, which is not necessarily the best look in my opinion but also you know if they don't switch and like let's say they blitz the point of attack you're putting the ball into dennis's hands then maybe you're expecting dennis to attack the the side with a live dribble pulling fox off of scotty in the corner so scotty's open for three that might have been their expectation and when nothing developed and nobody switched. Duarte just stuck him. And then he just pulled up. So, tough. But it looks like they didn't have any, like, secondary stuff. Uh, it looks like they didn't have anything going. So, yeah, maybe an F 
minus on that from Darko. Like, there's some guys who you can flatten it out and they can get you that triple late in the game. IQ can get you a triple late in the game, but I'm not certain that he's like the flatten it out and get you a triple type of guy. That's not Hal Burton. Um, that's not Curry. That's not KD. Jeez. Uh, that's pretty light on motion. Pretty light. Uh, yeah. Darko Stan says the play was just quickly pull, buddy. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of what it could have been. Like, I'm I'm putting on my coach's cap and seeing, like, how they might have expected the defense to cover it. And, you know, the, the biggest thing I can think is, like, they thought they'd be a really aggressive at the point of attack. They'd be able to slip to shooter who could collapse the side and create a maybe a corner three-point shot for Scotty. That's, like, the optimist point of view. The pessimist point of view is, like... <laughs> They set a screen for quickly to come up, flatten out, and just like can a triple like a superhero. So I think it's probably one of those two things. I hope it's one and not the other because one doesn't speak that well. One, but also one says that the coaching staff Darko has like an immense amount of uh, confidence in Emmanuel quickly. So yeah. Also, Chris Paul just fractured his left hand and will undergo surgery. Hmm. If he was uh. If he was just going to be a part of any package, maybe not so much. Um, Keir Doyle asks, not super relevant here, but would you like to see more Siakam Barnes two-man game? feel like we haven't seen much of it. I love when my favorite play that they run is it's Pearl gets the ball on the like baseline extended. That's what... And then Pascal and Scotty run a screening action Scotty sets a down screen for Pascal to run to cut back. Now, if they switch that, which they don't necessarily need to, um, Scotty can seal the switching guy on the inside for like a post entry to get him like within three feet of the basket. And Scotty will finish over basically anybody. Um, if they don't switch it, you can also, the guy trying to come over the screen, Scotty can just pivot and seal either way. So, I love that. It takes a really good team to defend that action. And typically you have to drop down from the top to have that. And so if you can stagger, you know, a guard in that corner with Pirtle to do that kind of stuff, then you can counter to like a pick and roll or a DHO. So I love that play. That's like an off ball two man action. I'm not like the Raptors last year, the Scotty plus Pascal pick and roll was really high points per possession. Typically, because they're initiating a switch and like when Scotty runs a pick and roll with Pascal as the screener, they scored a ton per second spectrum of points and points per possession was really high. Why? Because Pascal is like an ISO killer and he's able to take Scotty's guy and score against him. And typically teams are going to put their best defender on Pascal, not Scotty. So, you know, Pascal gets to attack a lesser defender. When we think of two-man actions, I don't think we're thinking so much as, like, mismatch hunting, necessarily. You're trying to think of, like, these guys' skill sets meshing perfectly and creating, like, a unique situation where they attack with advantage instead of a mismatch. And I think that off-ball action is a really good example of that. I think that sometimes the Raptors run, like, off-ball screening actions that teams really have trouble with, and including both Pascal and Scotty. But as far as like their two-man actions, like a dribble handoff or a pick and roll, anything like that, 
I'm not so sure that stuff has been like that great for them. And the reason is that neither Scotty nor Pascal are typically great screeners. They're scorers who have done, you know, a lot of screening to initiate mismatches over the past couple of years. And that isn't that if you don't want the mismatch, then that type of screening is not that useful. Um, it won't give you that much advantage. So that's like they have to figure out something. There's a couple things like we've seen a few like pick and pops. The same, the exact play that Pascal run ran with Jante Porter. He gets downhill, he draws two to him, he kicks out to Jante and hits a three. We've seen that with Pascal and Scotty. Scotty being like a kick ass above the break three point shooter means you can run pick and pop actions all day if you want. And 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 hopefully Scotty gets to like draw big closeouts. I think that's the outside of mismatch hunting, outside of the off ball screening stuff. I think that's the most. Uh, likely situation going forward to develop if they do develop if pascal is still a raptor for years and years so that kind of stuff is all up in the air but when i put my thinking cap on to see like how do these guys attack what do they do um i think that's uh that's mostly what i can think of i'm also not an nba coach and an nba coach might be able to think of something way more clever than what i can you know put together um aubrey losojo says a warriors package would be about what future picks you could get from an old team and also mentions that you know, Chris Paul isn't expiring, so his injury doesn't, you know, change anything as far as uh, the Raptors trade packages coming back. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Like, uh, obviously, Chris Paul in any trade he's in is uh, flotsam, you know, kind of how like Thad Young would be. These guys, uh, who knows? Um, from P, he says, if we trade Siakam, it has to be for another shooter, right? I've heard things about trading him for a cheaper OG wing defensive option and i was shocked uh basically i don't know who i don't know who pascal will be traded for i did a, a podcast with sam vicini today and he actually pulled out the trade machine on the podcast and we were kind of doing looking at a, an indiana package and as far as i can tell from what i've heard a lot of this has been reported by now but like golden state detroit indiana um, Cleveland has been interested in the past, but I haven't heard anything this season. Like Cleveland was interested even before they got Donovan Mitchell. So hmm, uh, like, I'm not super certain. Um, y'all, I can't believe Detroit is like reportedly in on it. I, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but I mean, the more suitors, the better for the Raptors and also the better for Pascal, the more wanted you are like, that's, that's a good thing. I don't know who the Raptors are going to try and you know i don't know who the raptors are going to try and get for pascal um they probably they have guys they want from each team they know what they're looking for but you know the intersection of like leverage and the other team's leverage and how that goes who knows man and like he could also he could just be a raptor i know the the cap the little cap perverts i know everybody's saying like you can't do that i get it but uh, it's uh, it's a possibility, maybe not the greatest possibility at this point, but it's uh, it's a possibility. The the Pascal stuff, I'm yeah. Darko Stan says the Sham stuff before the game was insane. Yeah, like it it was it was kind of funny because there's a bunch of reporting around it. Today was the biggest like Pascal Siakam reporting around Pascal Siakam thing for forever. Everybody and their mom was tweeting out like pictures of, like. 
Bobby Webster is here and Masai Ujiri is here and there's Alvin Gentry and there's Pascal Siakam and they're all in the same photo and like everybody's talking and like Vivek Ranadev is here and like everybody's talking, everybody's doing everything. And it seemed like, you know, and the Raptors Twitter deletes a post about Pascal Siakam's, you know, all-star vote or whatever. And everybody's just like, oh my God, it's it's mounting. It's, it's, ha- it's happening. And it just didn't. And, like, that's the funny thing about social media. God, I felt it with the Shohei Otani thing. It's just, like, things pick up steam, but in reality, you get that Shams tweet that's, like, there is no momentum. Talks are done for now. <laughs> so it's, like, <laughs> it's, uh yeah. Playa McGee says Raptors don't leak. King's trade was never happening. The Raptors do leak. The Raptors do leak. Now, they might leak a little bit different than some other teams. They might, you know, they might, it might happen differently. But the Raptors do leak. They don't not leak. Just as like a mention. They leak. Now, they they may be a little bit more intentional, you know, but stuff leaks, you know. Even the, what is it, like the, the Stanley bottles, like the TikTok bottle. I don't have TikTok, but I saw a video about this. Even the Stanley things that sell for like 800 bucks, the special edition, when you turn them upside down, they leak, man. These like super sought after Stanley cups, everything leaks. Um, e says the Grange. Grange has been reporting Raptor stuff for a long time and has been right on a lot of things, has reported things that they developed differently. But uh, Grange, I, I like Michael Grange a lot. Mikey is... Uh, that's my guy. Um, OG3 says, for years our fan base has had this funny pride about Raptors don't leak. I agree. I uh, It does come off as a point of pride, which I've never really understood. But, I mean, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's like, at least I've read it as like people post about it like it's a point of pride, yeah. Which I'd take pride in other things, but I mean... Different people like different things. Some people are like, so people like being able to tweet stuff, you know? And if you're someone who likes to tweet in response to other tweets, if you're someone who likes to like quote tweet dunk or argue online, it's a nice little back pocket thing. If you don't like what you're hearing, you'd be like, they don't leak. Dumbass. Okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but yeah, it, it has been weird, like the sense of pride about it. Uh, I agree. Um, yeah, but like the Raptors have had like a million things come out about them over the past few years. Like a million things, man. Why do we think OG got traded? <laughs> he wasn't going to resign. So the stuff that <laughs> the stuff that came out about him, role, expectations, all that kind of stuff. There was stuff there, you know? Uh teams leak players leak stuff happens that's kind of how it breaks down um darko stan says the last two minute report is going to say iq got fouled on the first three and people are going to lose it um the best as far as i know king's reporter brendan nunez uh nunez he uh he tweeted it out from in the arena like he was recording it with his phone he was like i think he got fouled here so i was already kind of like uh i don't know privy to that but people might yeah they might uh who knows Kind of kind of interesting. Aubrey Losojo says Moses Moody is a 37% shooter, plays good help defense. I'd love to see him on the Raps. I think I love I like Kuminga better than Moody as far as on the Raptors. And I guess we'll see. 
But yeah, the, the Warriors, I think, are in play. But I don't know. It's a lot of a lot of trade talk, a lot of speculation, um, a lot of that kind of stuff at the end of the podcast. But we talked about the game like a ton. I don't feel that bad about this game. I think we're going to feel good about a bunch of games over the course of the rest of the season. Like, I really do. I think the Raptors, they got some juice now. I think that they made a win-win trade. I think that there's good basketball to watch. Some of it was not that great. Some of it was really good. They fought, man. Passion, aggression, intensity. Um, yeah, C4C says we love trade talk. Keep it coming, Sam. I know you guys love it. I know it's slop. I know you guys. You've been asking me since the second game of the season to talk about trades. You guys love trades. And, like, obviously the numbers, the, like, the, the NBA knows this. Uh, media companies know this, that, like, just talk about trades all the time. They even talk about trades after the trade deadline because people love like dressing up as like, I'm the GM. Uh, people love that. I'm mostly like talking about basketball, but I know you, yeah, you guys are little truffle pigs for the trade talks, um, which is kind of funny, but uh, like, yeah, C4C says we eat it up. Totally. Uh, yeah. Uh, one last thing I'll answer before I get out here from Shere Khan. Um, what do you think of Jay Porter as a backup big that can shoot? I've loved his minutes, man. Uh, I think he's been impressive. I think he's moved his feet well. I think that he makes good reads as a defender. And I think he can can triples. He's also, I think, if he gets more minutes and the Raptors are still unsure about that last, you know, that 15-man spot, how it's going to play out. Um, however that stuff shakes out, I think you're going to see more passing flashes from him. And like, that's all I can really see the finishing and all that kind of stuff. He's gone through so much stuff with injuries and explosiveness kind of being sapped from him that, you know, it's maybe those things aren't going to pop for his game, but you know, Jante Porter, I've been pretty happy with his minutes so far. I think he should keep getting minutes until he proves that like, Hey, these are the types of minutes you're going to get every game, every matchup, you're going to get something good from me. And you know, and, and maybe it ends up the other way where you don't get as much. But who knows? Who knows? Phoenix Plays E says, you think NBA Twitter could manage an NBA team? If there was relegation in this league the first season, man, NBA Twitter can't manage anything. I couldn't manage anything, man. Um, Like Bobby Webster, as much as like he's been part of a Raptors team that I think has kind of been less than ideal from a transaction or decision-making point of view. Like that guy helped write the CBA. Like that was his thing, right? Like there's so many things that go into running a team that like, I just wouldn't want to think about because it's not really basketball. It's like the economics of basketball and all that kind of stuff. And I think NBA Twitter, they're a bunch of like basketball economics perverts, of course, but they can't do it, man. Not at all. Just no, it, uh, it, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. Um, yeah. And Coco says uh, she doesn't like the the trade speculation. That's also a thing, too. Some people just like their team. Some people like the players on the team and want to keep watching them. And, you know, some people have more optimism for certain players or like a play style or all that kind of stuff. There's so many different ways to uh, to watch basketball and enjoy it. And like even the the one that has popped up the most recently is like standum. Right. Um I see a lot of Avatar on like Avies on Twitter. I think Standom is m mostly represented by like uh, 
middle school slash high school boys, I think. And uh, I think they're like edgy, alt-right adjacent posting a lot of the time. Or like, you know, a lot of like queer baiting, homoerotic stuff that like they wouldn't be able to do in person. They do constantly online, which makes the conversations around teams. Like if you try and engage on Twitter, you're kind of like, what the hell am I seeing right now? There's a lot of different ways to enjoy basketball. Everybody talking about aura all the time. You know, it's the more it changes, the more it stays the same, I guess. There's there's a lot of stuff. People enjoy things uh, for uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Solstice99 says, I prefer the term nerd to pervert. Bobby probably does too. Bobby is not a pervert. He, he's, not, he's, he's not like a nerd. That was his job. Um, but when I say like, uh, and Bobby, I don't think he lives for that stuff. But when I say pervert, I mean people online who like only like to engage in the economics of basketball. Like that's what they love. It's like, do you even like basketball? Do you watch, you know? And that's not Bobby. Bobby is different than the the Twitter uh, people <laughs> for sure. Um, I haven't, oh yeah. Uh, I haven't used the term feckless. That's a good thing, right? I didn't think anybody was feckless in this game. Well done. Uh, martial arts fights says, Bobby, I almost joined the CIA. Webster, watch out. Did he... Did he almost join the CIA? Is this something I'm missing out on? Is this like one of those niche like Raptor moments things that he figured out? Or was this like a popularized thing? I don't know. I learned so much from the chat. Like sentiments, of course, kind of getting a sense of what you guys think about the team. But also uh, just like lots of interesting and insightful stuff. Um, yeah. Darko Stan says, hey, man, the second apron stuff is fun. Oh, Darko Stan, you're Blake Murphy. Finally, I figured out who you are. Blake, uh, you're messaging in chat because I haven't messaged you back on Twitter yet. Very, very funny. Um, Phoenix Playz says, you think Masai has a burner Twitter? You guys are asking me crazy questions at this point. We're talking about the CIA, perversion, burners, whatever, uh, aura, etc. That's enough to call it to the people listening on the audio part uh i hope the drivel at the end of this podcast was worth your time i hope you uh had some laughs about it uh og3 says we learn basketball from you you learn twitter meme stuff from us yeah um phoenix plays he says conspiracy is fun evidenced by the media landscape and people's response to the media landscape not even politics but everything over the past like i don't know eight years conspiracy is like there's a lot of tread on that tire and lots more to go. People love conspiracy. Phoenix Plays E says goodnight. I say goodnight to everyone. Coco says it's late and everyone is loopy. I kind of forgot it's like almost 2 a.m. Let's get out of here, everyone. Uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Um, make sure to like the video before you get out of here. It's free. It's good. And if you want to subscribe over at raptorsrepublic.com, help support the writers, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah. That's a podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in again, people on the podcast who wanted to hear about basketball and then heard all the stuff at the end. My apologies, but this is a variety show, apparently. Okay, thank you to everybody. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.